Hello everybody, welcome to Kineo's Stream of Thought. Today we are diving into the second part of our 2019 Learning Insights Report where we spoke to 8,000 people over 13 markets, employers and employees, to find out what's really going on with workplace learning. Today it's about the gig economy and the changing face of the workforce. My name is Andy Costello. Head of Customer Solutions, and I am joined by Hannah Weissam, Learning and Development Manager. Robin Beck, Solutions Architect. Ben Boren, uh, Global Head of SitePass. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us today. So, we mentioned um, earlier on that we are talking about the gig economy today, and more importantly, the changing face of the workforce. Now, I know this is pretty bad because I should know this. I had to Google just to be sure what gig economy meant. And if you do that, um, gig economy is a free market system in which temporary positions are common and organisations contract with independent workers for short-term engagements. Did you all know that? Yeah. Oh, no. Say no. That made me feel better. <laughs> Thank you. But we're really talking about what that means for the workforce and for people uh, within it. So we're talking about an explosion of contingent contracts, the temporary workforce. Um, which is changing the face of the global working people and that's what we found in our report so I'm going to put it out there anybody please feel free to go for this one contingent workers is this a good thing for employers I think it's a necessary thing for employers I think in today's world where everything changes at such a pace it's unrealistic to expect to have all of the skills that you need under one roof at any one time. So I think particularly if you're looking at expanding into a new market or trying out a new product or uh, trying a new way of coding, for example, it makes perfect sense to get people in on a short-term basis um, with the skills that you need to do that just to test it out to see if it works. Mm -hmm. And then if it does, that's when you can make a decision as to whether actually you need to uh, strengthen your workforce with those specific skills. So I think... Um, no, <laughs> wonderful answer. Um, thank you very much. Robin? Yeah, I, and I think there's a certain inevitability about it in terms of the way that society's changing and people's um, work-life patterns are changing. I think ultimately, um, as we see that develop, uh, the, this is just going to keep growing and growing, and really, uh, employers do need to embrace it now if they're going to get the best out of their workers. I think you can notice trends in the amount of time that people spend in, in a job. I've, I've been at this job for 10 years, but... Uh, other people I know are constantly moving jobs and that's becoming more so whether we're talking about mm. contingent workers or just the workforce in general it's becoming a more and more fluid place and, and I think that that's that's something that's going to that's going to continue in, into the future. So we saw in our report um, Ben that that 50% of people of employers that were, were interviewed say that they're going to see an increase they're going to use more and more contingent workforce as, as time moves on so what's the advantage for the employer what's why is it a good thing to have um, temporary workers on contracts, do you think? Uh, I, I think the, the main advantage is really the ability to scale as, as needed. So as a particular organisation takes on different types of projects or requires different types of skill sets, it allows them to get that access to that skill set without having to directly employ that person. So on if they wanted to, have, it was a short-term project and they needed programmers, for example, and they could use the, the outsourcing model of sourcing contractors to then be able to resource for that particular project. And then uh, on the reverse side of that, once their project does scale back, um, then they have the freedom and flexibility to uh, reduce their workforce to accommodate the changes in that project. So I think flexibility is ultimately the, the main benefit that the employer will gain from, from um, leveraging contingent workers. Okay, um, so putting this out there, what sort of message does that send do you think to 
non-contingent workers that, that, that potentially that they're they're more happy not to invest in the learning and development of people they've got but actually utilize something that's a bit more agile and flexible is that not a bit of a risk i, I would go back to my, my earlier point about um you know employees and i think actually I think that it's attractive to become a, a sort of a freelancer, and I think more and more people will be in, you know, interested in doing that. And so that a company is willing to invest in not only their internal workforce, but their contingent um, workers, I think is a positive thing. And I think it, it allows people um, the opportunity to perhaps have a, a more flexible working uh, style. Okay. Yeah, I think picking up on that, the, the work-life balance piece in general that you're talking about, and we're looking at flexible working a lot at the moment in the industry I think is um, is a fundamental part of this and I think sometimes it's easy to look at contingent workers as people that don't want a proper job but actually <laughs> that, that's really not the case yeah. at all it might be people who've got specialist skills want to spend six months of the year doing something else and this is sustainable to go from there I think just going back to your point about what does it feel like for an employee who's maybe sat there thinking, well, who are all these people coming in with skills that I could have been trained on? Mm. I think there has to be an element of, of pragmatism about that, really. You've been employed to do a particular job, but if your organisation is moving in a different direction and you just don't have the skills for that because you've not needed them for that stage, then there's a catalyst for you to think, well, actually, if I'm interested in that, then I reach out and I take control of where I want to go in my career. And if those are the skills that I'm interested in, you put your hand up and you say you want to go for that. I think as an employer there's a, a big piece of work around that future state competency piece for you as an organisation. So if you recognise that three months down the line you're going to be doing something completely different, you then need to look at, well, is three months enough time to train the people that we've already got? Or do we need to bring in contingent workers? Or do we do a combination of the two so that there can be a knowledge share piece going on across the thing? But I don't think it's something to be frightened of. I think it's something that just opens another line of inquiry. Mm. That's a really good point. And for the employee, the contingent employee, there are advantages, obviously. So from a personal perspective, there's the agility, there's flexibility, I suppose. You mentioned it before, people, the work-life balance. I suppose there's also a degree of professional exposure you can get working within with different organisations, different cultures over, over a shorter period of time. Um, so those are the kind of plus points. What about the risks at the moment do we see for the employer? What are potential risks um, for employing maybe a larger contingent workforce than, than you'd expect in Ben, can I put that to you? Yeah, when, you, when you're looking, say, the, in employers that sort of focus on high-risk work, so construction or agriculture, um, then the, the main risk that comes from that is um, are those individuals going to follow their corporate policies, procedures, work instructions? How deeply ingrained in, are they within that organisation to then understand the culture and the way that that organisation works? So in a high-risk area, that does lead to potential for uh, safety issues that can occur on the work site. Um, so uh, that's probably the main issue that those organisations are facing is the, the management and control of the risk around safety of the people and making sure that those people understand and follow their procedures. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a quite a bit of a complexity in, in the way in which that is managed and, and coordinated within those those very complex, large organisations. I think that's a really good point, and to your point, um, uh, Hannah, as well, there, there could be an assumption that contingent workers therefore don't need any training because they are coming to do their job, and the whole point surely is because they're, they're, you are acquiring a skill set that already exists, you don't have to train train them. Um, but I think there is also a feeling amongst contingent workers that they, certainly we've seen in our in our 2019 report, that, that they're, they're expected to learn on the job. So I suppose the question is, are in our experience, our organisations training them 
is there a training provision, learning and development provision for contractors out there? What do we think? I think it's it's a really interesting question. And I think the answer depends a little bit on what those contingent workers are being brought in to do and what the timescales are on it. So I think if we think of uh, a, a digital agency, for example, if you know that you need somebody to do some programming for two weeks and you know that they've got the skill to do it, I would suggest that it's unlikely that you take them through some kind of onboarding programme, aside from showing them where the files are and how to get on with it. Mm. Um, if you are bringing in a whole load of workers to, I don't know, workers, assessors or customer service advisors for a certain amount of time, then you do need to take them through an onboarding process into how do we speak about the company, what's the shared language, what are our behaviour expectations for um, you as a representative of our organisation. So um, I think... Um, I, I would hold my hands up and say that uh, it's something that needs more attention. Mm. I think it's very, very easy to take people for granted. And I think um, that's another risk that I see as well. I think one of the, the biggest lessons I ever learned much earlier in my career when I was working uh, with a charity that did um, projects with members of the homeless community is that we had uh, what I, we could term as contingent workers um, who were, were volunteers in addition who could come in and they could lead sessions and a lot of these people had come through the program as participants themselves and I remember taking one guy just so much for granted thinking well he's not a permanent member of staff and he didn't have this training but you know he could do that that I would just ask him to do stuff at short notice and not give him the credit that he deserved for it and he called me out on it and wow. I I was so appalled at myself actually that I'd just taken somebody with excellent skills who was making a massive impact who wasn't contractually one of us um, for, for granted and that just really made me check myself and think just because this is somebody that's not you know part of the, the inner sanctum you know they're not contractually obliged <laughs> to be with us all the time we might not see them all the time which I think is the case for a lot of contingent workers who work from home um, is to acknowledge that they are also a person and they need to be aligned to shared values and they need to feel part of a team if that's what we've brought somebody into an organization to do they need to be a, a proper valid um, and valuable member of that team and we need to look at that side of of onboarding and welcoming somebody into a company as well as a, an actual training need to say. Which is educating those people that may feel nervous and anxious about mm. somebody new coming in who you know is doing the job that they could have been trained to do back to your point. What on earth did you ask them to do? Get them to make the tea or something? Just no they, they were a backup workshop leader doing a brilliant job so they were doing a job on par with the person who's being paid to do it properly but because they were, were you know an extra um, I didn't have the proper visibility of, of who they were and, and how valuable they were so I learned that at a very early age and uh, tried wow. to take that forward. Okay, I think back to your point, Ben, as well. There are different uh, sort of levels of requirement that are necessary depending on the organisation, the industry. So some could be quite literally about life and death. Somebody comes onto a site um, in a construction site, you know, huge amount of contingency workers and contractors work for building organisations. Um, yet they all need to demonstrate that they have the sufficient qualifications and regs and um, short of bringing their certificates with them, um, which might be quite a, you know, a, a, a cumbersome thing to do. Cumbersome, is that right word? Lumbersome, what word? Am I cumbersome. Cumbersome thing to do. Laborious thing to do um, every time you're changing contracts. Um, they still need to prove that they are legally compliant. Um, so what can we do as an industry um, to, to sort of help that? Because these, these, these are serious matters, aren't they? Yeah, we, 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 the tendency generally happens where um, it's an afterthought. So we see from many of our clients there's an unfortunate incident where someone's been killed or something's happened with someone on their, on their one of their job sites. And then that, that then 
forces them to change the attitude of their business to then focus on solutions to then manage their contractors. And we see that quite often with a lot of the clients that use our services that something's happened and then they need to then rectify that. Either there's a, a forcible undertaking or they've failed an audit, or as I mentioned before, someone's actually died and then that's led to drastic changes within the organisation. So it's unfortunate that these companies are reactionary rather than being proactionary in, in managing their contractors and probably take for granted that uh, in some ways that using contractors or using contingent workers is meant to reduce their uh, the effort they put into those people or those, those organisations, but actually in actual fact they, they need to do equal to the same as what they do to their own staff because the risks can be just as high um, if they don't do that properly. So what are the barriers to that? You know, obviously with, with permanent staff, you have your permanent record uh, within HR, there'll be a system that everything's logged in um, and presumably progress and learning, for example, will be tracked. Um, straight away, that seems to me an immediate barrier. Are you going to log every contingent worker through the same kind of system and the same processes? Yeah, it, 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 I guess it really depends on the organisation. There's probably three parts that make up the change that a business needs to go through to, in order to manage their contractors. Uh, systems are one of those, and it doesn't have to be a, a software system. It could be processes, procedures, or anything around the, the management of those people. Um, but where, where we've seen those systems fail is that the organisation doesn't have the right attitude within their business or against those those contractors, and then also the right culture to then enforce the changes that those systems bring into that business. Um, so all those three three areas need to be working in unison. So we offer systems as systems through training and other mechanisms. Um, but if the company's company and their people's attitude towards what they mean and the culture isn't right, then we do see that those systems do fail. Um, and those three things need to be working together to, to have success with managing their contracts. Yeah, I agree. I think that the, uh, the around changing attitudes is, the, is a really important thing. And it's something that I experience um, in certain sectors is that there is a reluctance um, to invest in training for a contingent worker on the on the thought that then another company within the same sector will benefit from them training. And, and so in some I have experienced in some people actively um, not wanting contingent workers to be able to evidence the training that they've they've completed for them um, when they go to another organization and kind of holding holding that information back and I think there's a there's an important piece around educating um, organizations and, and and wider sectors around the, the benefits that um, it's kind of short-termism of trying to restrict the training that they provide just to their organization and understand the benefits as a kind of a, across the sector so how on earth do we change this these attitudes then is it a case of you know as Ben was talking about until it's too late something do we have to wait for something bad to happen before I, we all go oh yeah that, I think that's where you know in those sectors where there is you know a, you know out of obvious incident that happens that then people have to react to they seem to be more open to the idea of um, shared learning and, and evidencing training and working as a sector but I think it's more difficult um, to sort of rationalize that to an organization when they've got a certain amount of money to spend um, who don't necessarily have those kind of high risk incidents, um, but there are obvious benefits to mm. working collectively and having a high skill workforce. It's just that they aren't quite as obvious as a kind of, you know, a, a, a sort of accident or incident. Yeah, I think as an employer, you have a responsibility to make sure that the compliance piece is there, um, whatever. So we, in a case of construction, you don't go on site until you've proven that you've done the relative pieces of training and got the right certifications. 
I think throwing it out there in terms of where the training responsibility lies, if you are bringing in a contingent worker with specialist skills that you don't have as an organisation, I would argue that it's not the organisation's responsibility to train you further in terms of your own mastery of those skills. So if I wanted to bring in an art director, for example, I wouldn't be expecting to pay for them to learn Photoshop. Mm. I don't think that is where the responsibility lies. But I would look at training them as to how do we need to use that in the context of our business. And so if I was going to be investing in skills that are tailoring that person's um, abilities to benefit our business, I'm not too worried if they go somewhere else because actually a lot of those things are very specific to my business. And so it's not like we've lost anything from virtue of that we will have gained from leveraging the expertise that they've brought in for being one of our contingent workers. And there's always risk to some degree, right? So it doesn't have to be life or death risk or accidents or even business critical risks where you know a law case may come in because somebody said something wrong to a, to a customer. Um, there's also you know being able to come on to come into an organization and understand um, how they do things, understand how to use social media correctly or you know not things, all sorts of things which, which could still get their organizations into trouble. So there has to be a degree of um, uh, training provision I suppose in, in, in those sort of areas in every kind of area that, that it's within the organization's interest to make sure the risk is minimized and so surely some kind of training provision to your contingent workforce will will mitigate those risks. I think so but also I would say that that risk exists um, regardless of whether you're putting contingent workers on a project or whether it's somebody already within your business. Mm. I think some of the the biggest issues I've had where contingent workers have been involved is when we have recruited to fill a headcount but we haven't looked at either the cultural fit with us or, or as an organisation or the cultural fit with our clients. And that's sometimes where we've had a mismatch. So actually, I think it all comes down to the employer's responsibility to find the right people, whether they are contingent or not. And I think sometimes, um, as, as a client, I, I don't know within a project team who's a permanent member of staff and who isn't. It shouldn't actually matter as mm. a client what you want is the right people working with you in the right way. Or and I think employee, that's yeah. Exactly, and that's just people, regardless of what contract they're on. And that must be common, isn't it? I suppose the the reason for a lot of organisations, certainly within our industry, let's say, I mean, development, where it's just fast-moving and project-based, um, recruiting continued workforce to fill gaps where there's staff turnover or, or we suddenly get very, very busy, etc. So that's you can see where that things may slip through the gaps in, in those instances, I suppose. Um, just back to the attitude piece. So again, maybe one for Ben and Robin. Um, we talked about this. It's about you know not leaving it till late, too late till something bad happens, and it's an educational piece for people to kind of realise these risks and what's, what the values are and the importance of training them. What can we do to help educate to change those attitudes so people aren't leaving it till you know there's a, a legal case or God forbid you know a, a casualty or a fatality on site. I think it stems by steps first by the, the the client itself or the organisation really understanding what type of culture they want to have. Um, it's the culture that sort of festers the, the attitude around how they then manage those contractors and how integrated those contractors or contingent workers would be within their organisation. So if the culture the culture of the company sees them as separate to their employees, then naturally they're going to be treated this separately and they're going to be integrated and they're going to be trained very much separately but if they their culture sees them as equal to and the only difference is their contract terms but they then then ideally they would be integrated and trained and um, feel as though part of the same organization 
And I think that will then fester a change in the attitude to both at the individual level, because they feel as though they're part of the same company, um, but then across the organisation, and they will then treat those individuals as, as part of the same process. And, and culturally, that should then lead to uh, better outcomes, safer, safer outcomes for those people as well. So presuming we've got the educational piece right, um, but employers don't want to manage their contingent workforce, their learning and development, for example, through the same channels as their professional, uh, sorry, their permanent workforce, oh, Freudian slip, their, their permanent workforce, nothing more or less professional than either, either workforce. Um, are there solutions and platforms in place designed to look after the contingent worker? Uh, yeah, no, there, there, there are lots of different solutions, I think, out there. Um, so at Kineo, we have a number of, of different platforms that could potentially um, ut- be utilised for both the contingent and the permanent workforce, um, SitePass being one, which I think is uh, you know, got a lot of traction in areas of high risk um, and, and when we're, you're engaging with suppliers. In terms of engaging with uh, freelancers, there are lots of different options as well. So, uh, you know, a Totra a platform could be utilised as an extended enterprise platform mm-hmm. and to bring more people within on, onto that system and provide them with a, a kind of same level of uh, training that you provide to uh, the same kind of learning experience that you provide to a permanent member of staff. Thank you, Robin. But this not being a, a sales channel for, for our products, I'm, I'm being tried, of course, but there are other solutions out there, of course, as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think you can adapt a lot of the systems that you've already got in place for doing that. I mean, if you've got some kind of learning system, um, what I see quite commonly is people just setting up a dashboard for contingent workers that's maybe got two compliance courses on that everybody needs to do and then you can just run a report off the back of that and that that can be enough in terms of looking at those mandatory requirements I think looking at some of the behavioral requirements that we've looked at is is more difficult it's I mean, it's always difficult to to measure things that are happening on and off the job I think one of the the big risks for a contingent worker just coming back to that topic very briefly is that if you're not the right fit you won't have another chance mm. um, and so that's a really difficult one to come to. So when, when you look at the management of a contractor, there is a, a defined end-to-end process that um, sort of man- is, defines the process of how you manage that contract. It starts really from all the way from procurement uh, through to risk classification of that individual or that organisation through to supplier pre-qualification, um, individual worker onboarding, training, delivery, capturing records, all the way through to site access. So when they actually physically come to that location, um, how do you track their access to that location and when they leave? Um, There's other things around the management of those people, such as incident reporting, risk, um, uh, them identifying hazards and other things that are present at that particular location. And then finally, leading into sort of the performance management of both the the company that you engage with and, and the individual which then flows all the way back into re-engagement. So if they're not performing to the level that you need them to perform at, um, then obviously how do you manage that as part of future projects or uh, further engagement with that? So when you break down the full end-to-end process, there's many different parts that make up that. SIPAS is one that sort of fits across generally the, pro- the full process to some extent, but there are many other systems out there that can deliver different parts of that in different ways. It really depends on the type of organisation, the type of work they undertake the risk component of that um, organisation and the work they take. Um, so you really need to break it down to then work out exactly what systems or solutions or processes may be uh, suitable. Uh, for example, uh, training. Uh, is online training definitely uh, the, the best way to deliver training to those people? In some cases it is, but in some cases it's probably not, and more traditional toolbox meetings or 
face-to-face uh, -face training is probably a, a better solution. Um, so there's a lot of variances there to understand exactly what the best solution is across that. Um, but what clients need to do is really understand the end-to-end -end process and understand what parts of that process really uh, they want to sort of focus on to solve their problems. I think what you said there, Ben, is it opens up a, a really big line of questioning for HR departments in general around that performance management piece. And I think it's very easy to look at um, contingent workers as being uh, people that if they're not doing what you want them to do, you can just get rid of them very quickly. But actually, what does that say about how we treat people in general in an organisation if, if, just like a permanent employee, that person has got 90% of what we're looking for? we then need to look at better performance management processes for contingent workers. And then I think that that opens up the question as, from the contingent workers perspective as well. I'm not, am I in this for that kind of support? Or actually, am I not here for that? And if I'm not here for that, then you as a contingent worker can think, well, this isn't the right fit for me, I'm gonna move on. But you could then actually see that as a real opportunity for improving your skills whilst you're working under contract for somebody else. Thank you. Um, there's some really good points there. And I think uh, as well as the challenges that, that employees have, there's the whole point about embracing the, the change that this is happening now and continued workforces are, are, are rising globally. Um, but there's a responsibility that comes with that and the thing that really stood out for me as well, rather than just not just about finding the right solutions to manage them and to track behaviour as well as performance and to make sure they are legally compliant on the job, it's a whole attitudinal piece. It's not just the attitude that is required or the changing attitude to provide this training and to um, um, uh, be a responsible employer but there's also you know the attitude of employees to to also support and treat contingent workers as, as equals as team players as part of the team and that goes um, goes for everybody doesn't it um, um, so that's, I think that's a really important piece there's an educational piece there potentially um, but with the rise of it what we say earlier on 50% of employers are now seeing a, are going to be using more and more contingent workforce as contingent staff um, over the next three to five years um, it isn't just about finding the technology it's about finding the the right mindset and the culture and perhaps uh, the change that's required to to embrace this change thank you everybody um, if you want to find out more about some of the products and solutions that we, we could talk about not just our own but anything that's out there in this in the industry you can find out more on the learning insights report which is available on our website which is www.kineo.com thank you very much and see you next month Thank you.